your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast snubbed from the Podskers for not having enough old white people in it Brought to you by Uncle Joe's Mint Balls Leave Brussels sprouts aftertaste behind. Take back control of your breath. <laughs> um, one John, of several John Smith's mint balls. No, Uncle Joe's mint balls. Um, oh, I was going to say. Have you not seen them before? No. They're uh, they're very much a hard Brexit sweet made in Wigan. Um, <laughs> Wigan. Yeah, I mean, With no, immig- <laughs> no immigrants in sight. No, I mean, I think in general, you know, we are a Remain podcast, but um, we'll take the money where we can get it, really. You know, right. you know, if they want to give us money, we'll take it. You know, we've got no ethical or moral standards. <laughs> Absolutely not. That, that is fair enough, yeah. Um, on, on the note of, the, of our snub from the Podskers, um, the, you know, excellently named new, show, uh, new sort of Academy Awards for podcasts, um, I got I got in contact because I was quite pissed off to be honest because we're clearly the best, aren't we? I mean, it's in the song. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like if you put it in a song, it must be true. Uh, exactly. So I, I wrote a letter to um, the Oscars and they actually got back. And to be fair to them, they've been pretty transparent. Um, I'll, I'll read out I'll read out the reply because I think it's quite interesting. Right. Um, Dear stick around, we're sorry to hear you are so upset about being snubbed from the Podskers but I uh, believe sending angry letters featuring the words Academy Wankers at least 57 times is not the way to get yourself nominated. Well, In actual fact, we... Um, I mean, ugh, that's arguable, isn't it? But Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think that, you know, get their attention, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I did that, they've replied, so obviously it has worked. Yeah. And they've given us some um, suggestions, but anyway, I'll, I'll carry on reading. It's not, it's not that long. Um, in actual fact, we love your podcast. It's witty, informative, and full of amazing up-to-the-minute pop culture reviews. Wow. You're also all white, middle-class guys. We like that. However, here's a few recommendations that may get you nominated next year. So they've given us three recommendations, which is pretty nice and pretty transparent, um, like I've said. Um, the first one is get an old white person on the panel. Uh, we love white people, but we especially like old ones. Yep. Ideally yep. with very traditional views. Well, I mean, I am 30 Something now. to think about. I am 30 Not now, old so enough, Al. Do I not count? All oh, right, okay. Have you, how many wrinkles have you got? Uh, there's a fair few. I mean, if we're counting ball sacks as well, but... Um... Do you look like you could play Winston Churchill in a film? Um... <laughs> no. <laughs> given, given enough time, you know, a bit of makeup, yeah. No, I think I think we need to actually apply a genuine old person. The second suggestion, uh, you could go for the token black vote by getting someone black on your panel, but beware that of the nine nominations, only one is open to the to- token black vote. Right, Therefore, you've okay. got better odds going for the other eight spots, which, you know, pretty transparent of them and makes sense. Um, so let's go for those other eight spots rather than yep, the sure. one token black vote. Sure. seems. Um, and number three, this is the longest one, build your entire podcast in a way that gives one of your co-hosts um, the ability to just chew the scenery for the entire duration, while the others are merely there to make him look even more amazing. Um, we recommend Clive for this role, interesting, as he's got bags of charisma, although make sure you stop mentioning the fact he's Swiss, as once again, there's only room for one token immigrant podcast in our uh, nine nominations. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, alright. So, I mean, you've kind of given away the game there, Clive. Um, we've mentioned it again, that you are supposed <laughs> you know, Euro trash. Yeah, I should have cut that bit out yeah. of the letter there, shouldn't yeah. know really, but... Yeah. I mean, I think the podcast, the podskers might not be too happy with us reading that out, but... Yeah, you know, I mean... I thought they've well, been so transparent, we might as well um, put it out there. Yeah, okay. Well, so, you know... If you're going to be racist, you might as well be transparent about it, because, yeah. you know, then it's fine, as Trump voters think. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> go on, can, <laughs> Michael. Uh, can Podskers be bought, like actual Oscars? Um, I don't know. They didn't mention that, actually, which I might send them an email, see if we get a reply about that, because I, I was shocked that they didn't, the fourth point wasn't, give us money. this amount of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, um, um, I've managed to, you know, successfully monetize. Our support of Roy Battersby, so um, and money should be flooding in. We should be able to buy an award. Um, I mean, yeah. Instead of spending, you know, fifteen pounds on a Blade Runner Blu-ray to give away, we could have bought an Podska with that. Maybe. Don't know. Don't know <laughs> yeah. how much how much money they want. Well, we'll just, we'll just rig the competition. Um, whoever you know, the Podska's you know director can just have that DVD. You know, and um, all future prizes <laughs> and a Blu-ray even. And then it's, you know, guaranteed awards. That's true, actually. Yeah. That is true. We'll, we'll, yeah, maybe we'll try that. Anyway, we're here for uh, Films Episode 30, the first one to get to 30, I believe. Wow. Um, woo! Which is, woo! Big, big number 30, because it's a third of 90. Um, it's also a quarter of 120. Three times 10. And a fifth of 150. Three times 10, yeah. yeah. So three times better than Episode 10. That's how this works. We're getting exponentially better. Um, so, yeah, we're here to talk about films. It's our first... It's not the first films episode of 2018. That was our sort of 2017 wrap-up. But it's our first one where we'll mention some 2018 films. I think possibly all 2018 films. Um, <laughs> Alex Wayne has spent pretty much his entire time in the cinema. Um, he's slept in there, sort of woken up. He had a, you know, just one of those milkshakes for breakfast. What's your lunch been? Um, popcorn... With chopped up right. bits of hot dog. <laughs> and what about uh, for you know your sort of big dinner before you go to sleep in um, the cinema? Well, you know I've been trying to cut back, so I just had a, like a massive Tango ice blast. Uh, been getting your uh, getting your five a day. Yeah, five a day. All, all your five e numbers a day, all, all in one cup. There's definitely more than five e numbers in it, but what's your uh, preferred place to sleep. Do you just um, go for the, the cinema, or do you prefer one of the? I prefer to sleep, um, you know, on just on the back row. I kind of like jimmy me up the armrests, and then I just lie across the back row. Um, oh, perfect! Yeah, I mean, I, I use I, I use a bin bag of discarded popcorn as a pillow. You know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. Sounds like we should um, probably make you know film of it, similar to the Terminal with Tom Hanks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, you're just stuck in this cinema with, I can't with Tom Hanks be... playing you as well. Oh, I, I, I was. I, <laughs> I was thinking more Tom Hardy, you know, because of the obvious similarities. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll open it up to casting. Um, I'll get in contact with the Oscars and see what's going to give us the best shot. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let, let's get things started. I'm thinking as. Al has been spending his entire time in the cinema. I've seen the most stuff. Um, let, let's start with Al. Al, what have you got for us first? Um, okay, so I'm going to start with a Western film, um, 
released just earlier in the month, or at least in this country anyway. Uh, it's Hostiles. Um, it's American Western film. It's directed by Scott Cooper, who's best known for Out of the Furnace, uh, among other films. Uh, it stars Christian Bale, Rosamund Pike, Wes Studel, uh, um, Jesse Plemons, among a few other actors. Um, it's set in 1892, uh, so back frontier America, and just to kind of the end of the um, wars between Native Americans and the US. Bale's character is a army captain who is fiercely racist and proud of it. Um, he's tasked with successfully um, transporting an Indian chief back to his burial ground before he dies. It's seen as a bit of a you know a political um, masterstroke by the president. Um, it's you know it's a job that he, Bale's character Joe Blocker is not happy with, but he's forced to do, or else he'll lose his pension. And it's kind of about, about the struggle they have in going across from I believe it's New Mexico all the way up to uh, Utah. Um, Rosamund Pike's character is a widow who has suffered a, suffers a brutal tragedy at the start of the play, uh, and it's it's kind of a a strangely intentionally brutal brutalist uh, western film, where the film seems to take relish in attempting to show you all of the grit, all of the strings, all of the um, things that would make such an environment a difficult place to live. Um, I've got mixed feelings on it, to be honest with you. Um, on the one hand, I appreciate um, any Western film that doesn't shy away from what was obviously a very unromantic kind of time of existence, which is, you know, it, it's obviously been romanticised so many times. Um, but on the other hand, the film often feels very forced and it lacks the... Um, I don't know how to put it, but it, it, it lacks it lacks a certain subtlety that a lot of better westerns in more recent years have had. So, for instance, there's a western horror film called Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but um, that was a horror western that was far better than this. So it takes the same kind of tropes, kind of really brutalist western, and it just does it a lot better. Um, the performances are solid, and Bale is clearly putting in a huge amount of effort. But in the end, his character is has a, a bit of an about turn on his kind of racism towards um, the Native Americans. And again, it doesn't feel believable, despite what they go through in the film. Um, all in all, it's, it, it's, a, it's a solid film. It's a, you know, I don't really do marks out of 10, but if forced, it would probably be, um, you know, a 7. You know, worth a watch, particularly if you're a fan of the Western genre. But as somebody who's seen, um, you know, probably upwards of 100 westerns well probably getting there across my life this isn't this isn't you know a remarkable one it's just solid uh, did anybody else have any interest in this stuff um i wasn't i don't know it's not one that's top of my list it's one i might go and see but yeah you've not made it sound particularly amazing so probably <laughs> and as someone who i like westerns but i'm not as into them as you so i'm more out for just the ones that stand out if you know what i mean <laughs> i didn't really know anything about it to be honest so I think another problem I have with it, I wouldn't call it a racist film by any stretch, but um, mm -hmm. the Native American characters are nearly entirely there as kind of props, really. They are the McGuffin of the film, you know, they are the cargo. Uh, it's only really Wes Studel's character who has any significant screen time where he's given characterization. The rest are there to either fight or be, you know, killed. 
And for a film that's quite clearly trying to have a main character who goes through something of a you know a mindset change, um, this feels like a backward step. I would have much rather seen um, scenes where they were fully fleshed out, as opposed to other scenes where the you know the white American characters are given screen time. Uh, also, there's, hmm. there's a bizarre bit of casting that Timothy uh, Chalamet, who's um, I believe is Oscar nominated for Call Me By Your Name, considered one of the best young actors working, has a two-line part in this, which could have gone to literally anybody. Um, I mean, it, it, it's not it's not a it's not a bad film, um, but it's it's a disappointment. Really, the only thing I could say that it does exceptionally well is the cinematography, which is as you'd expect, sweeping. And the music by Max Richter is um, also, you know, atmospheric. But all in all, it's it, it was the first new film I saw of this year, and it was a disappointment. But um, you could do a lot worse. You know, if, it, if, you, if you needed to kill some time and you're a fan of the Western, there are far worse Westerns out there. Um, ultimately disappointing, though. Yeah, that's sad to hear. But um, at least it was all right, and it didn't uh, receive a rant. Although that would have been more entertaining. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, 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 you I'm kind not, of wanted to hate it. <laughs> no, I didn't want to hate it, but um, it's just, you know, for for something to get a rant, it's going to need to do yeah. something really, really bad or just irritating. There was nothing irritating yeah, yeah. about Hostile. It was just, it was. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I it's just all the ingredients were there, you know. Christine Bale's a great actor, great lead. The rest of the cast is, you know, Rosamund Pike, was Wes Studle, Jesse Plemons. This is a good cast. And the director, who's a, he also did Crazy Heart. I believe you've seen that, Clive? Um, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that film. It's a good film. Yeah, he's, he's a good director. Um, more than capable of producing something uh, which is better than this. Um, it's just, you know, the ingredients are there, but no cake has been made. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Um, from the uh, well, from Stockton, where we're going to make a train noise <laughs> <laughs> to um, Eagles Cliff. This is also on you, Al. Uh, no, I'm, I, I want to hear Michael's eagle noise. <laughs> oh, I can't really. How does how does it go? It's like oh, I'm not going to do it because then you know I need to hear your interpretation of the famous eagle oh, of the cliff. I can't even. I can't even do it. I don't know. <laughs> It's weird. By the way, did you, did you... <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what I was thinking though? What? Um, technically, because of where the the sign for Eagles Cliff is situated, this isn't really Eagles Cliff. It's uh, it's Early Nook, which I think is a lot harder to make a noise for. Um, yeah, let's stick with Eagles Cliff. Oh, by the way, I, I discovered. <laughs> by the by the way, uninteresting anecdote time. Uh, found out Yay. yesterday that that <laughs> the Eagles Cliff is only called Eagles Cliff because of a spelling mistake, allegedly. Yeah, Apparently, I don't know that. Is that common knowledge? I thought, well, it's, I don't know which way around it is. I don't know which one is considered to be the spelling mistake. Well, I, I'm not an Eagles Cliffian, so you know, I didn't get the, I didn't get the book. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, spe- what is the spelling mistake? So it was supposed to be Eagles Cliff, but somebody who's doing oh. the, the train station sign put Eagles Cliff, and it's stuck. Oh well, that's better than Eggles Cliff. Eggles Cliff sounds shit. Oh well, they're <laughs> just down the road, so they can. And also, how would we make it noise for Eggles Cliff? Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to, would you? <laughs> anyway, Michael, what have you got for us? <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. There. Um, 
Um, so I'm going to talk about um, probably one of the most talked about films of this Oscar season. Um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, which is the latest film from Martin McDonough, um, who previously did uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Um, controversially, perhaps, I haven't seen In Bruges, um, but uh, Seven Psychopaths I did like. It was uh, a lot more playful in terms of structure and meta-narratives, that sort of thing. This film is much more straightforward, um, I would say, in terms of its presentation. Uh, it stars um, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, just as Seven Psychopaths had, um, as well as Peter Dinklage and Francis McDormand as the um, the woman of who uh, a woman who erects messages on three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, as the title implies, uh, in protest at the lack of progress in the investigation into her daughter's rape and murder. Um, so although it, it's um, obviously dealing with um, you know quite a weighty matter there, this is quite a punchy, dialogue-driven film that's um, you know at, at times serious but other times very humorous as well. It relies basically on the same device for most of its humour, which is um, McDormand's character's um, sort of take-no-prisoner's attitude um, in various encounters around the, uh, the town, which is very much, uh, a, it feels like a community on the brink, I think almost certainly employed as a metaphor for America at large. Uh, this, I mean, the film, it, it dives headfirst into some, um, you know, into some of the... Uh, the issues that are certainly afflicting small town America today, most primarily probably uh, race, gender. There's all sorts going on in terms of um, themes in this film, certainly. I think it's ripe for dissection, as it has been heavily dissected since its release. Um, I thought it was good, uh, certainly very entertaining, not a dull moment in it. I know there's been some criticism, I haven't really read any of it, but Alex mentioned some of it to me. Without wanting to spoil anything in particular, um, Probably some of that was um, some of that criticism was directed towards the character um, Rockwell plays, who is basically a racist, mm. absolutely appalling policeman. Um, uh, apparently, some people, um, some people, in, or at least one person, had interpreted it as being um, as his character being redeemed, and they didn't really agree that that should have happened. But uh, personally, I don't think. Again, I'm not going to give any away anything specific, but I don't think that the character was particularly redeemed. And uh, I'm also, even if even if we say they were, I'm not really comfortable with the idea of um, people saying that a character can't be redeemed. I think that's sort of, it's getting into this whole black and white, you know, binary style of public debate that's poisoned, you know, public discourse these days. Um, so I wasn't really comfortable with that sort of criticism. Alex was just mentioning to me yesterday that apparently um, one person had... Um, accused the film of dwarfism in the way that uh, Peter Dinklage's character is presented. Now, obviously, I'm not best placed to decide what is and, and isn't, but I didn't really feel like that uh, was the case. The character has a, a monologue in particular that I thought was um, one of the most touching moments of the film, one of the highlights. So, again, you know, obviously people are going to interpret things in different ways, but I didn't really... That wasn't really the sense I got either. I, I, I really liked the um, the ending of this film. I think that's probably split people a bit more as well. Uh, I know, Alex, you said that you thought the film could have ended slightly earlier. Uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I, but I actually, that more later. But... Yeah, but I actually really liked the uh, the ending. I thought it, it ended um, about as perfectly as I would have wanted. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, as I say, it's um, it's a pacey, entertaining, sometimes violent film. 
but I can see why it's been getting the, the plaudits it has and all the attention, positive and negative. And yeah, I um, it, I think um, you can certainly tell that it's um, McDonough's work, not just because of the casting, but just the style of the film. And I would imagine that any future films from him will be in a similar vein. Excellent. Um, yeah, I've seen this as well. I we went to see it in... Where the hell was I? Oh, in Nottingham. <laughs> While I was going to see uh, Sleaford Mods, actually. Oh, awesome. lovely. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I really liked it. I think there's great performances. I think particularly Francis McDormand is fantastic. Um, if you just kind of give zero fucks about anything, yeah. it's kind of brilliant. I think it kind of walks like a fine tightrope between dark comedy and covering very serious issues in a way that isn't satirical in particular. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably easier to make like a satire about serious issues and make it funny than it is to cover them like this in a more serious way and yet still have uh, some pretty funny moments in it. Uh, so I think it does that really well. I think that's notable because there's not... <laughs> <That's a cat. laughs> Hi, Lu- oh, is it Luna, your cat? It is Luna, yeah. yeah. She's decided she wants feeding, I think. Um, it's put me off now, Luna, bloody hell. So, yeah, I think that I've also noted down the fact what you mentioned, Michael, about some people saying that that was, you know, racist, that it redeemed a certain character, um, or people thought it did. Yeah. I agree with you, I don't think it does, and I, and I think it. Um, just because someone is a racist um, doesn't mean that they can't also do some good stuff. Um, I think that's there's you know there's humanity in everyone, and I think that's the point it makes. I don't think it says that the certain things that he does. I don't want to spoil anything. Make up for the fact that he's obviously a complete dickhead. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he can't at some point make some do something that that isn't dickheadish. Um, I don't I don't quite understand what the problem was with that. I think if you think that. I don't, I don't want to go too much into spoilers, but if you think he's been redeemed, then it's perhaps you as the race, it's not the film. But um, it, I think, yeah, I think it's a great film. The, the message for me was a bit muddied. I mean, it's kind of obviously about controlling anger and how dealing with everything angrily doesn't really solve anything. Um, but it didn't really hit home with me in a way that made me go kind of, wow, sorry, my cat's now headbutting my microphone. Uh, <laughs> um, it didn't sort of, it didn't wow me and go, you know, didn't really connect with me in a way that was like wow this is amazing which could partly be because it's kind of a muddy topic i suppose but nevertheless um you know i I think it's worth mentioning that it didn't have that massive an effect on me i do think it's a great film and i suspect it won't end up you know making my top five just because of the fact it hasn't connected with me particularly but i'd like to see it again and i think it's full of great performances and i think madonna's done a really good is it how do we pronounce his name Uh, mcdonough mcdonough right yeah, I think it's obviously really. He's obviously a really accomplished director. It's fantastic, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I personally liked the ending. I'd like to hear your view on it ending earlier, because I probably might agree with that. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, do you want to go into your thoughts? Yeah, my general thoughts are pretty similar to both of you. Really, I thought that it was. I thought it was a very good film. Um, I don't think it quite breached into what I would consider great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really liked I really liked the snappiness of the dialogue. I thought it was very creative with the way it was offensive, but not in an offensive way that was controversial, just offensive in a hilarious way. I thought that the I thought that the subject matter was dealt with, like you said, with kind of a typical acerbic wit, um, that as you mentioned, is difficult to do because of the fact it's not just straight out satire. Um mm-hmm. I thought like you, I thought Frances McDonald was particularly superb and she was absolutely the right person for that part yeah definitely and I largely agree with Michael in the sense that 
just because a character is racist, they doesn't mean that they can't be redeemed. And if you really think that was redemption, and this is difficult to say without saying why it's not redemption, yeah. um, you've got some issues. I thought I thought if I had some criticisms of the film, I would I would say that at times I felt that the dialogue, while it was ma- mainly brilliant, at times it felt like it was trying a tiny bit too hard. Um, I would have liked to some some of the dialogue to have just been a bit more natural. They would have given to me at least a bit more punch to the lines that were mm. you know really well crafted. And I thought that I did think that the ending dragged on a tiny a tiny bit too much. Right, I th- sure. I felt. Um, I don't know. It it didn't it didn't give me the closure it should have done. I'm not, we're talking like by a few minutes, by the way. But I felt there was a false ending that was absolutely perfect for it. But that's it's kind of a it's a minor criticism. Um. So I mean, it, I, I, it sounds like I'm not that hot on this, but I really did enjoy it. Um. I just think I just think that I, th- I think there's a few things that could have been improved. But I don't think it's quite the runaway outstanding film of the year. Um, as some people are calling it, but uh, I think it is a really good film, and I am a fan of McDonough. I was a big fan of In Bruges. You know, you're a fucking inanimate object. Great line. Um, and I'm a big. <laughs> I was actually. I was actually a big fan of Seven Psychopaths. I think Seven Psychopaths was not received that well critically, um, but I was. I was a big fan. So yeah, no, very good film. Um, I don't really see where the controversies come from. Um, I don't think the film is supporting some kind of redemption of a racist but even if it was i don't see particularly what the issue is we've talked about this millions of times like how having someone who's racist in a film does not make the film racist (laughs) uh but a lot of people seem to struggle to understand this concept that actually you need to also use your own thoughts when watching a film but you know just (laughs) just um i just wanted to add a comment on the ending what i liked about it was i thought it was pretty ambiguous uh, didn't seem to moralise, and I, I think Clive mentioned he mm. um, wasn't really sure what the message was. I kind, of, I kind of think there wasn't really one. That was kind of what I liked about the film and the ending. Um, so that's just my take on it. But that was, I just wanted to add that. No, that's a good point. I did. I, I like the way it ended. I think it was, and I don't think it. I, I like the fact that um, I don't know. I felt it, I don't mind it not having a message. I felt like it tried to in a way, and then okay, it just yeah. was a bit muddy. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just, but yeah, that's, I think it's, it's another way of looking at the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a a reason it didn't connect with me personally massively. Not, I don't think it makes it any worse a film. If you know what I mean. Okay. Um, I think it's. I still think it's a really good film. But yeah, I kind of agree with Al. I think it's not the sort of flawless, ridiculous masterpiece that some people have said it is. But no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's on that level. I like. I really liked it, but um, you know, def- definitely not a film that I would just expect to clean up at the Oscars, for example, or anything. No, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily rank it much higher than Seven Psychopaths. I thought it was probably a similar quality level. Uh, level a good film, right? Okay, I do want to see that, Seven Psychopaths. That, that's in, yeah, that's quite interesting. That I, I would rate this as higher than Seven Psychopaths. So oh, which right. shows that you are pretty high on it. But um, but I, yeah, I think they're both that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do I. Yeah, I think Seven Psychopaths is a bit underrated of anything. But um, yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of people that like it. Yeah. Cool, um, that's three billboards. Right, I'll go into, I've just got one to talk about because I've seen three billboards and um, the one I'm going to talk about, which is Darkest Hour, which I saw yesterday. It wasn't my number one choice of going to see, it just happened to be on at a time that I wanted to see and I, I didn't want to see it. So um, it's directed by Joe Wright, stars Gary Oldman as Churchill. Um, it's about Winston Churchill's early days, his election 
or his selection as prime minister and then his kind of very early days as the prime minister as Hitler is conquering France and closing in on Britain. Um, I like to kind of go into films where I'm not really sure what I'm going to get. Um, that's kind of my favourite film to go into in the cinema and that's why this wasn't top of my list because I kind of knew what I was going to get or I thought I did. Either that or I like a film where I go in thinking one thing and then get something completely different and it really surprises me. This film was pretty much exactly what I expected. It's good. The, the central performance from Gary Oldman is absolutely amazing. I mean, I didn't realise it was him until I checked after the film. I thought he completely like embodies the character. Um, in terms of the film, it kind of plods along. It tells the story well enough. It's shot in that familiar sort of prestige picture way that's all shiny and glossy and maybe a little bit lacking in grit, similar to um, a plunk it in the same box visually as something like Imitation Game. Um, I like the way it doesn't need to show war scenes to show kind of the gravity of the situation. I think that's purely brought through um, in the performances and kind of what you already know about it, I suppose. It didn't need to like randomly cut to... Uh, you know, scenes of the battles, which I think if this film had been made, say, five or ten years ago, it probably would have. Um, so that's good to see. Um, I also think this film has a lot more humour in it than most films of this type, which is largely due to Churchill's quite kind of comical nature. So on to the negatives. I think it, it tries a bit too hard to fit in all the famous Churchill moments, or at least that's what I assume. I have to admit that I don't know many of his famous quotes, <laughs> but the film um, framed many things he said in a way where I was like, oh, right, that must be a famous quote of his. Um, and there was quite a few of those moments, or, oh, that must be a famous thing he did at some point. Um, and it felt a little bit too concerned with ramming all those in to kind of take into account the na narrative or take the narrative into any particularly interesting directions. Um, I felt the film touched on the fact that Churchill was beneath this kind of bravado, shouting a lot, kind of we will not surrender character, quite a sensitive person underneath. But I don't think the film really explored that in any interesting way, and I think it could have done. Um, it's just kind of skirted the surface and just focused more on just getting in every, you know, political or any sort of every sort of main moment of this thing into the film rather than worrying about anything that you might not know about. Um, and it's just a good documentation of the events of the time featuring like an, in, an outstanding performance at its centre. Um, I think it's a film that is almost in a way made for the fact that I don't know if it has that much to, you know, it's good. It's a good, if you don't know much about this and I didn't know that much about Churchill, so it was nice to see, you know, some of the stuff, what he was like, what he did and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had very little idea about him other than he smoked big cigars and drank whiskey. Um, <laughs> but you, you kind of go in, you get exactly what you expect. It's I'm surprised that this is nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture because I think there's so many things better than it. Cough, Florida Project, cough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but then I'm also not surprised because it's a film about a big historical figure featuring lots of old white people. So it's yeah. obviously in because of that. And uh, I'd, you know, it's not a bad film in by any means. It's I'd kind of give it a you know six and a half, seven out of ten. It's a solid film. It does what it, it does what it does well, but it doesn't do anything particularly fresh. And it does have a fantastic central performance, which carries it. But beyond that, there's I don't know. I wasn't particularly moved or anything, and it didn't do anything particularly yeah. fresh. Al, if you, I assume you've seen this. <laughs> yeah, my my opinion may as well have been word for word what you said. Um, it's a proper oh, Ron okay. Seal, <laughs> pro proper Ron Seal film. You know, you're going to get a film which is going to mythologise an already mythologised character. Um, you're going to get the big speechy moments. You know, if that's what you want, 
this film is decent. You know, it's it's not bad. Like you said, the performance is much better than the rest of the film. Uh, Gary Oldman is mm-hmm. superb. You know, I wouldn't have believed he could have been Churchill um, before the film. Obviously, um, the prosthetics and makeup, etc., uh, very very good. And his performance certainly captures the the aura of the man, if not his exact you know syntax. I thought my main problem with this is what it could have been rather than what it is. So I would have liked mm. to have seen a film that properly explored Churchill as a as a rounded character. You know, Churchill yeah. in reality, Churchill was somebody who obviously did some great things, but also did some horrendous things. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go into them in any great detail, but certain decisions um, while he was responsible for India, uh, uh, you know, come to mind. And l- largely, he was he was considered a failure throughout most of his career. Uh, he just happened to be the right man for the right moment in World War Two. So I would have liked to have seen the myth of Churchill deconstructed a little bit. Um, mm. I'm not saying I wanted an entirely critical film about him, um, but, you know, he was a proper person, not just a figurehead. So, yeah, I thought the film itself, Darkest Hour, was... Uh, I mean, I know the film is just, you know, one snapshot of one part of his life, so maybe that wasn't entirely possible, but I would have liked to have seen it um, brought up, if nothing else. The film is, is, is plum average, um, you know, it's shot okay, you know, the the performances aside from Oldman are solid, you know, but not spectacular. And mm-hmm. it really doesn't do anything that hasn't been done a lot of times before. Um, but that said, I didn't feel that it was a bad film, and certainly if you knocked you up on this kind of level of history, you could do far worse. Um, mm-hmm. It's, like you said, it's a, it's a solid 6 slash 7 out of 10. And again, there's far worse ways you could spend a few hours um but really you know th- this feels like a vehicle for gary oldman rather than anything else yeah yeah i'd, I'd agree with that i think the, the I could have done more of the like his relationship with his wife and stuff i thought that bit was interesting and that there wasn't enough of that and i think that could have maybe delved into more of like you say figuring out churchill as a character rather than oh these are all the main things that he did <laughs> yeah um, uh, that everyone knows about probably except me um but yeah I think that would have been more interesting to make than a sort of, I don't know, like a timeline of this is what happened, then this happened, then this happened, and this is what yeah. Churchill was doing at this exact point. Oh, isn't Gary good? Ooh. That's basically what the film was doing. I haven't seen the film, but um, I know there was some... Some people weren't happy with its historical accuracy, apparently. Um, I've I, not I looked think, into that. I think depending on the tone and the style of a film, there's room for you know rewriting of history in these films. I'm not I'm not a you know completely averse to some sort of revisionism if if it works in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously I haven't seen this, so I can't really comment on it. But I think most of it's centered on a scene where Churchill consults passengers on the tube, which oh, obviously never happened. Yeah. Right. Okay. All oh, right. I mean, I was going to look that up, yeah, because I did, I did assume. No, it it did not weird. happen. I mean, for <laughs> okay. a start, for a start, he manages to have a ten-minute conversation in between one stop, which would have taken <laughs> two minutes. But um, <laughs> maybe the tube was really slow back then. Uh, not that slow. <laughs> I also saw someone objecting to. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure you. I mean, if you take this approach, you could probably pick the. The, the film completely apart, but someone objecting to Clement Attlee's voice in the film, apparently. Apparently what? he didn't speak like that. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that that's a ridiculous criticism, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, oh, I don't know, it's just... 
it's paint by numbers history with a really good performance. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could and probably should have been a lot better than it was, but it's not bad. Okay. Yeah, pretty much agree. Cool. Right, we're back round to you then, Al. What's your second pick? Okay, so my second pick is um, Downsizing. Oh. Film directed by Alexander Payne, who uh, I've seen three films of before. I was a huge fan of uh, Nebraska. It's one of my favourite films of the last ten years. But I was also a, a pretty decent fan of The Descendants and Sideways. Uh, Downsizing is a kind of a sci-fi comedy drama as such. Um, it's set in a world where to solve... Um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Environmental problems. Um, people are being shrunk down to about five inches tall. Now, this does two things. It obviously reduces their carbon emissions. And also, it lives, leads them to live a life of luxury. So, you know, the equivalent of your £100,000 in this life is worth £10 million when you're five inches tall. So people can effectively retire into luxury. Now, I was really, really intrigued by this to start with. I thought it was an interesting concept. And I like the fact that it seemed to be done in a kind of comedy satire way. It wasn't done with total po-faced, you know, sincerity. And I thought the director's a good director. Matt Damon, the star, good actor. Christoph Waltz, um, you know, what's not to like? And about an hour into the film, um, I was thinking, this is really good. You know, it was funny without, you know, being slapstick. It was dramatic without, you know, being ho-hum. It was really well directed. It was really well structured. And then it was like someone said, hang on a minute, should we do a different film? Um, basically, <laughs> it went from being something which I could believe in. Obviously, it's, it's, you know, it's a ridiculous concept in some, in some ways, but it, kind of, it had its own <laughs> rules. It had its own you know, structure, and I, I believed in it. And then it just totally went left field and became this really cl- cloying, preaching film and I'm an environmentalist, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm very much, you know, I'm not a climate change denier by any, not, not even slightly. But this film just became this weird hodgepodge, which absolutely didn't work. It was like they had two different films on roughly the same concept, and then they just mashed them together in their sweaty palms. And it was, <laughs> um, it was a total disappointment in the end. Um, it was... Pretty irritating, actually, because I think I'm only this irritated because the first half of the film was so good. Um, Mm. Now, I don't really have a problem with um, a film trying to change itself midway through because it can be surprising for the audience. It can take you in to different places, but this felt like it was a total misstep. It was um, the film became this film that's it wasn't too different from Honey I Shrunk the Kids in the second half. Stupid. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just a really... It just suddenly became a very preachy, hackneyed, you know, shrink film, as opposed to what was a pretty smart social satire before that. And I would actually recommend you see this, just to see, because I really want to know if you agree with me on this, and I think for the first hour you're going to have a great time. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like two different films in one. Um, overall, you have to say it's, it's a total... F- misstep but um there are people who really love it but i i thought it was uh, what can i say 
I um, yeah, that's kind of what I heard about it actually. So yeah, I've not been intrigued to watch it because of the stuff I've heard. But go on, Michael. Sorry. No, no. I was just I was going to say something similar. Really, I mean, I didn't know that Alex didn't like it. I didn't know that uh, that was it was being criticised for those reasons. But for some reason, from the trailers and things, I just wasn't buying it. I don't know. See, I really liked the trailers, and I did buy it, and I yeah. got the I got the film I was expecting. Uh, maybe better than I was expecting for the first hour because I thought I thought um, mm. obviously with a film like that you're going to have a lot of exposition. I, I'm not a fan of exposition generally, but you know when you've got a high concept film like that, you have to you have to have it in there. You can't just dump people into that world. But I thought it was handled with um, real subtlety, and I thought the entire process, while obviously not possible, you know, made sense. You know, in a in the context of the film, I thought the world building was really good, and I thought the way how the characters were not really driven by environmental concerns. They were driven by the fact that they could be live like millionaires. Um, so it was kind of a you know it was a consumerist decision, not a environmental decision to go small. Uh, I thought that was really clever, and I thought um, I thought Damon was actually really good. But yeah, just no, no, didn't work no, in the end. No, 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 it just it the second half of the film. The funny thing is, the second half of the film actually has one of the best performances in in the film by somebody called Hong Chow, who is is a highlight in the film. The only problem is that her part of the film is this cloying disaster, basically. Um, yeah. So I was really looking forward to this as well. So I can't can't tell you. Whereas I was disappointed uh, by Hostiles. I hadn't really had a huge amount of expectation. I think I'm more disappointed, more irritated by downsizing purely because it's a great idea by a director who's capable of making great films. And ultimately, this is far from great because of the last hour. Mm-hmm. Oh dear, that's a bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, I had, I, the people went to see it at my school um, and they said similar things that they liked the first half and didn't like the second half. So it seems that they agree. It's the kind of thing I think I'm going to watch when you know it appears on Netflix or whatever. But... <laughs> I'm not going to clamber to go and see it in the cinema. I, I can imagine. I know that, I mean, generally speaking, I I, I'm, I think I'm in, in line with most critical thought on this, but there are people who love it, though, who really even like the second half of the film. And it wouldn't entirely surprise me if somebody I knew, possibly one of you two, loved it as well. Right. But it just didn't do it for me. I just, I was <sighs> ultra crushed with disappointment. Crushed with disappointment? Wow. Were you crushed to five inches? Um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I popped back up again, but um, yeah, <laughs> should hope so. Somewhat, we were having a discussion about it at work. None of us had seen it, just um, just from promotional materials and things. And um, someone who wasn't familiar with it, who was listening to us, said, "Isn't that just the borrowers?" <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, honestly, the last half of the film has scenes in it which just look like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I know this I know this specifically because Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was on in the background at work recently. Uh, so, you know, you know, the whole thing about, you know, you're small, grass is big, ants are big. Uh, you know, just, you know, no, not the same film anymore. Interesting. Oh, God. Oh. Bit like Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, that's actually Somewhat, made me want to yeah. see it more. <laughs> that <comment. laughs> big ants, bloody little ants. <laughs> big, big bits of grass. Everyone loves grass, but it's big. <laughs> so is the grass taller than them? 
some of it is, yeah. Depends whether it's been well. caught or not. Yeah, it depends, depends on if it's... If you've set your lawnmower to five inches, <laughs> then... <laughs> well, I suppose I don't have to... Who's, who's mowing the lawn in this place? What? Is anyone... <laughs> Are any people still big? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think m- most people are oh, still right. big in the film. It's just, uh, okay. you know, about 20% of the population is either chosen to be small or it's been used to uh, literally crush political dissent, um, which is not... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Make all the communists really small. Yeah. But then that's easier for the KGB to um, infiltrate at that point, so that's a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got that, to think Yeah, like, uh, you know... How did they get into MI5? Yeah, answer, in the box of Shreddies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I just want to see it more with every every sentence here. <laughs> You're selling it, Al. You're selling it. It's, a problem, um, a, it's, not, it's not a horrendous film, but it's, you know, it's just like the, the second half is so disappointing that it almost makes me forget how much I liked the first half. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Just one of them. It's kind of like if it had been the other way around, the first half had been crap, and then the back end was really good, you might have come out more positive. Oh, I'm sure I would. I mean, it, it yeah. wouldn't have been possible in the in the context of this, but yeah, I, w- I think I think I would have. I think I would be giving it a good review. It's funny, really, how that mm. happens, but um, a film has to end well, or at least end quite well. Oh. Cool. Right. Well, uh, two sort of uh, films that you've not been that happy with, then, Al. No, I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of films. Um, before you move on, I'll just read you the list of the rest of the films I've seen. And I've seen all the right, ones on. you, you two have talked about. But uh, this year, I've also seen Molly's Game, All the Money in the World, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, um, Coco, The Post, and the next one that Michael will be talking about. So I've seen 10 films already this year. Um, the standard has been okay, to be fair. But the, there okay, hasn't, there hasn't right. been anything that's really blown me away yet. Okay. Yet to be blown away. Um, let's see if Michael was blown away by his next choice. Michael. Okay, thank you. So the, um, the other one I want to talk about is the new Paul Thomas Anderson film, Phantom Thread. Purportedly Daniel Day-Lewis's last role before retirement. He stars as Reynolds Woodcock, a maker of dresses uh, for high society in 1950s London. The film also stars Leslie Manville as his uh, sister and assistant. And Vicky Creeps, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, as um, as basically his um, his love interest. The film is um, an intense study on their rather complex relationship. Um, so this film's very it's very steadily paced. I think people are familiar with um, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'll, re- I'll describe him as PTA as he usually would do throughout this. Uh, PTA's previous work will will know what to expect, uh, a film that, um, like his others, really um, requires your investment and patience. Uh, that'll be too much for many film goers, I'm sure, hence the rather limited release this seems to have. Uh, it's, uh, I would say it's um, the film is classical in every sense in terms of the set design, um, its style, its subject matter. Um, it, fe- it feels almost like cinematic porn, really. It's... There's a lot of very memorable scenes that you're not going to forget from this film. There's one um, p- particular... Well, I mean, there are quite a few, uh, but just some that come to mind. Uh, Day-Lewis's character ordering breakfast, for example. 
And then, uh, without wanting to spoil anything, a se- another scene involving food, uh, more towards the end of the film. But, but there are there are no, a numerous um, scenes that you won't surprise anyone to know when Dale Lewis is involved. That you know um, they'll stick with you um, in your in your mind after after you've seen the film. It's I mean the the the, the relationship the central relationship that I mentioned is quite um, quite a strange one. It ebbs and flows throughout the film. It's um, well, if I was going to employ an aquatic metaphor, so at times it's uh, you know it's um, it's calm, you know, a few ripples on the water, and then these two characters at other times are like two waves just crashing into each other, and uh, there's a there's a great tension throughout the film that I wouldn't say it ever really um, spills over that dramatically, but some of the um, you know some of the scenes where that sort of dynamic co- comes to the fore, you know, a very um, very bracing scenes without being, you know, um, as I say, overly dramatic on screen. Uh, that, I think by Dale Lewis's standards, certainly of his um, his last role, of course, uh, in a PTA film, which was The Incredible, There Will Be Blood. Um, I think compared to that, this is a bit more of a low-key role, but only by his standards. Um, I think he's still um, absolutely amazing in this, the way he acts. The little things that he gives away without having to speak, just with the way he moves and the way he looks around, are um, you know are, are what made him possibly the best actor out there. Um, I think there's a lot of people who would agree with that, and you can really see that in this film. Although I thought um, I'm not really familiar with the actress, but I thought Creeps was also excellent in this. Uh, the score by Johnny Greenwood is, I would say, is memorable. It um, sort of has the, these crescendos that seem to seem to have been a, a constant point of reference in PTA films ever since um, Magnolia, which I think was where he really perfected that sort of structure of, of, of film. I think it's mirrored in Greenwood's score here. I think when you think of Greenwood, he worked with PTA numerous times now, you look at the contrasting style between the score for the last PTA film, Inherent Vice, and this one, you can see Greenwood's um, diversity as a, as a, score, a score writer. Um, so I thought that I thought there were a lot of things about this film that were excellent, but I didn't necessarily feel they added up to an excellent film as a whole. Hmm. I thought it was um, you know it was very good. It, you know it, it lives up to exactly what I would expect from PTA. I'm not saying I wouldn't rank it. I've only, I've only seen it yesterday, so it's still sinking in. I'll, obviously, I'd want to see it again at some point, but I wouldn't necessarily rank it at the very top of the PTA catalogue. But this is a very high quality catalogue of films. You know, so th- there's no drop in standard really in terms of the, um, you know, the style of of film that um, that he's made here, and um, it, you know, it's a, it is it is still worthy of being um, you know Dale Lewis's last performance if that proves to be true, because you really can't take your eyes away from 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 him in any performance, but in the, the, you know that that applies again in this film. So without it necessarily being, you know, like Alex said, a film that blew, that blew me away, it wasn't that. But it was it was a one that kept, you know, a, a stranglehold on me throughout, and that I thought was, um, you know, it was definitely a good film again. Um, cool. Yeah. Again, I largely agree with Michael about this one. Um, I think Day-Lewis is magnetic. You know, you can't help but be drawn to him on the screen, and um, he seems to inhibit his characters in a way that a lot of actors aren't capable of doing. I think I must have mentioned this before um, on the pod, and I've definitely mentioned it in person to Michael, but he seems to do what some actors can't do in the sense that when you're watching the film, you don't feel like you're watching Day-Lewis. 
You don't. You're not watching thinking, "Oh God, Daniel Day Lewis is good in this." You're watching that character. Then it's only afterwards you kind of your brain remembers that that is Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, his, his, act, his style just immerses you in it, doesn't it? In the character. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's he he is that person for those two hours or whatever. Um, this film is a really. I think it's probably the best film I've seen this year so far. Certainly from a technical standpoint and from a, you know a filmmaking standpoint, the quality is as high as the dresses that um, Reynolds makes in the film. It's you know made with real technical craft and attention to detail and subtlety, and the performances are, are really good all round. Um, it's hard to really categorise the film, but it's a somewhat it's kind of understated drama about kind of small power struggles. Uh, on a domestic level, um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say I was excited by it, um, but I was gripped by it, and um, I think this is probably one of Daniel Deleuze's best performances, and that that that's saying something um, because he's you know in There Will Be Blood he is a showy character, he is a larger than life person, but uh, his character here is more understated, and um, which just gives you an idea of the the range of the man, and I think it's I think it's a shame he's retiring, but you know. What a film! What a performance to go out on. So I didn't love the film, and it did, like I said, it didn't blow me away. Um, but I respect it a lot as filmmaking, and um, I think everyone should probably see it, especially if you're really into film, cinema. It might be one that I'll I'll enjoy more on second viewing. I don't know why, even though I'm not going to go out of my way to see it again. I feel potentially um, the technical wizardry, uh, you know, the the filmmaking wizardry on show will be hmm. even more obvious on second viewing. I mean, were you planning on seeing this, Clive? Um, yes, I really want to see this. This was top of the list of the ones I wanted to see, but it wasn't on at the time I wanted to see it, because it's not on very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd like to. Although I've not seen many PTA films. What are your favourites um, out of interest? Oh, uh, well, yeah. There Will Be Blood. Is the, <laughs> there Will Be Blood is the ultimate. I mean, that is one of the best pieces I think that's of the only one I've seen. ever seen. Um, yeah, I'm, right. After that, I think for me it's Magnolia. I think Magnolia is superb as well. I I agree. There will be Blood's my favourite, but I really really like the Master as well. Yeah. Oh, I've seen the Master and I really like that. Yeah, yeah. That might be my favourite. They're all great, to be honest. Although I haven't seen Hard Eight, his debut film. I haven't seen that. Well, e- even that, while it's not obviously Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, it's still a really good film. He is a very distinctive uh, filmmaker in uh, the way he directs actors, and I'll, I'll I'll go out of my way just like we did yesterday half an hour of our wait, you know, to see any film he's erect. Yeah. Well, Punch Drunk Love, uh, or the Adam Sandler one, as you might refer to it, um, <laughs> possibly the only good film I've ever seen Adam Sandler in, and it is really good, I thought. Oh, I want to see that, yeah, I've heard yeah. good things about it. Not, not, not a fan of Big Daddy, no? <laughs> well, you know, Big Daddy is what it is. It's a bit of a laugh, <laughs> <isn't> it? but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. But at least it is well, a laugh, unlike, laugh, unlike some of his other films. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. I mean, I, I would say as well that um, Phantom Thread, I don't know why, but I'd convinced myself that it was going to morph into something different halfway through. But I think you're always waiting way. for that, aren't you? You're always waiting for yeah. that in this film, but it doesn't happen, but it's not a bad thing. You know? No, and it, it must be said that Johnny Greenwood puts together another beautif- beautifully realised composition here, um, as he did with There Will Be Blood and, you know, I, th- I believe Inherent Vice as well. Yeah, Inherent uh, Vice, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, it is a really. It's, it's hard to get that passionately behind it and say that you know I loved it, but it is a really good film. Hmm. No, I can I can imagine the type of thing you're talking about. <laughs> I think some people probably will love this. I mean, 
the, the people who me and Michael were sitting next to um, certainly discussing it enough during the film. Uh, loudly some, enough. Yeah, loudly. They were very old people. <laughs> but, um, they were discussing not just whispering, but, you know, quite loudly. <laughs> they had the, uh, the temerity to ignore Alex's quite forceful shushes. <laughs> I mean, in, in, probably because he couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in, <laughs> in one respect, you know, they're old people, so you give them a bit more leeway. But I'm thinking, you're old enough to know what's acceptable in a cinema. Go away if you're going to be ch- chatting all the way through. <laughs> fucking hell. It is annoying. I've moved before because of that. In fact, quite a few times. <laughs> See, I don't think I would. I think I think I would tell them literally to shut up. I, you know, I think if they if they hadn't been as old as they well, were yesterday, they would have got a shut up from me. I'm neutral, you know. I don't like confrontation. So no, I don't either. But something if something really boils my piss like that, you know, I've got to say something. It's in my Swiss roots, man. Yeah, um, I'll take their money, but you know, I'm not going to confront them. <laughs> um, right, I think that's us done. Then we haven't got a uh, we haven't done film of the month for a while. Maybe we'll bring it back, or maybe not, because it's a new slimline format. Ticking on to 58 minutes, so pretty bang on the hour mark, which is excellent. Um, have mm. you guys seen anything else that you wanted to give a quick... I know, Al, you've mentioned the, the nine things that you've seen while sleeping <laughs> in the cinema. Uh, uh, the, only, the only other thing I'll mention very quickly from, from that list is um, I thought that uh, Coco was a really, really lovely film. I don't ooh, have anything... I want to see it. I don't have anything that... I don't have anything that deep to say about it, but it's a really, really lovely film. A return to form for Pixar... Um, after the good dinosaur, and I think probably in Trump's America, it be it should be required viewing. So you know, in a kind of culture now that seems to be very very suspicious of Mexicans, um, hmm. it's lovely. It's a film a film about grief, uh, remembering people, and uh, following yeah. your passion. And I th- I thought it was really really beautifully done. It's not one of Pixar's finest, but. It's you know it's a, it's a lovely film. Um, I read I that it's say, awesome. it's already the highest grossing film in Mexican history. That doesn't surprise me. I mean it, it is excellent, and I felt like I did come away from it knowing a lot more about the Day of the Dead Mexican culture, assuming mm. that the film is all correct. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I was I was a big fan. I, I didn't want to review it because I don't feel like I had a huge amount to say in it, other than I thought thought it was you know. And I, I think the word is lovely. It's just it's just a nice film, really well made. Cool. Good message. Awesome. I'm excited. It's, yeah, I really really want to see that. But again, it's always on because it's. I guess they're aiming it at kids. All the cinemas are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's always on. It's never on late, so it's never on when I want to go to the cinema, uh, which is annoying. But I'm really really excited to see it because I've heard so many good things about it. And as you know, I love my animations. So. Yeah. I've um I've seen Get Out now. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. An absolutely bonkers film, needless to say. Quite terrifying at times, but uh, <laughs> also I didn't I didn't hear this mentioned um, when it was discussed in the end of Year thing, but I especially loved the main character's friend, the airport security guy. He was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think he was mentioned. Yeah. He, he, I'd kind he, of forgotten about him. But he, 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 he was a bit of welcome, like, pure comic relief. You yeah, know, yeah, def- know, which it very much needed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the film itself was kind of funny at times but he was just there as you know here we go here's a absolutely pure character he's just funny don't worry you know that's yeah. it that's his job <laughs> yeah absolutely awesome right um al do you want to set me up oh oh you've caught me off guard here you've caught me off guard um <laughs> give me two minutes and we'll think of something oh, shit. Jesus. 
Uh, so, see, I was two minutes. I was all set up last time. Yeah, see, a pro. <laughs> well, well yeah. to be fair, you were hosting, so you, true, you were going to come. That is true. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think... set up myself. That's the only problem. <laughs> I suppose I could. But um, I mean, we could rebrand it. You know, it could be. Uh, you could whoa, shout whoa, something whoa, different. Whoa. You could shout something different. Also, that we can make more jokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll or, think or, of that for next time. Or we could We've just run out of puns. Yeah, we could have just have. Let's just turn this into you know super happy fun commercial time. You know endorsement time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> endorsement time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happy times. Um, oh, I'd made a list. I'd made a bloody list because I was getting all organised and I've not got my list open. Oh, here. Get in contact with the show. You can uh, email us at stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com if you like email. If you prefer to fill out forms on Tinternet, go on stickaroundpodcast.com slash contact. There's a nice little form I've made. Drop down menus. You know, it's pretty sexy if I do say so myself. I would say it's about 11 times more satisfying than sending an email. So recommend it. Get on it. Um, if you go on stickaroundpodcast.com, where you can see all our well, you can you can see our latest episodes, but I'd recommend listening to them rather than just looking at the the sheet. Basically. <laughs> um, you can also read articles. We're putting stuff up. We've got lots of top tens. Michael's just done an awesome top ten albums of 2017. Al, which might be up by then, has apparently just sent me his top ten films of 2017. So I'll bung that up on the website and make it look all pretty. There's also my top ten films, albums, and games. I believe of top. Spend a lot of time distracting ourselves, don't we? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you can go on there for that. Hopefully more to come. You know, I'll be throwing up some think pieces. Who knows Ooh. what will happen. You can follow us on Twitter, at StickAroundCast. We're currently doing a competition to win a Blade Runner Blu-ray, which probably will have finished by the time you get this, so unlucky. But, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> keep an eye you. out for... Uh, Future competitions, we may be giving away other stuff. You can follow us, or you can like us on slash stick around podcast on Facebook. I like, I like to be liked, so do that, please. And stick around podcast on Instagram. We're also there. We, yeah, we're, we're gonna. I'm gonna set up a, a thing where we, instead of giving us money for Patreon, uh, you know, because I can afford the website hosting cost. It's all right. Uh, where we we give to charity instead, and I'm looking into a homeless charity. So. Probably shelter, but any suggestions, welcome. And if you know of any place where we could set up a page brilliantly, then do get in contact via those means above. I'm looking into it now, so we should have that set up by next episode so you can donate to a good cause instead of us, which, frankly, is a shit cause. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've already got the um, unethical money rolling in. We don't need any more. Yeah, we've, we've got enough unethical money rolling in from Roy Battersby yeah. uh, <laughs> to keep us going for months. So. Yeah. I mean, sales are through the roof, so you know. Um, uh, so is our, I think our deal's actually linked to sales, isn't it? So yeah, um, we're doing pretty well out of that. Every time a copy of um, what was the name of the book, uh, uh, rock, rock, rock Bottom on the Rocks, is sold, that's it. Uh, we get uh, six pence. So you know, wow, that's pretty, really pretty decent. That good. is better than Spotify's rate of stuff that you know you've actually made. Yeah, so, we're not going to be mugged. So. We've done pretty well here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, excellent. So, um, well, we'll be back next time with, I believe it's going to be games if we stick to our I think so. normal order, which will be exciting. Um, thanks for sticking by, um, Alex Wayne. Yeah, thank you for hosting, Clive. Thanks for coming along, Michael. Excellent to hear your input. Thanks for having me. 
as always. And um, I would thank myself, but I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> bye, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being Cheers. awesome. And make sure you stick around. <laughs> stick around. <laughs> Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around